welcome to the podcast, The Book Isn't Necessarily Better. We work for the Community Library Network. I'm Michaela. And I'm Roxanne. And today we're talking about F. Scott Fitzgerald. Now, Roxanne, I know you know a lot about F. Scott Fitzgerald, so would you like to give us some background? I would love to. So, little known fact, although I'm the annoying person who won't let anyone forget it here at the library, I'm from Minnesota. I'm a proud Minnesotan. You're from Minnesota? I know, shocker. I only bring it up all the time. If you've seen the Magic School Bus cartoons, 90s kids, then you might remember Phoebe, who's super annoying and always goes, "Mm." And my old school. (laughs) So, of course, I love my new home of Idaho, but uh, I can't help but bring it up that Minnesota is a land of not only 10,000 lakes, but we're Target and Best Buy. And uh, let's see, butter sculptures come from. I did not know all this about Minnesota. Yep. Every year at the State Fair, one of the largest in the country, (laughs) uh, there is a Princess Kay of the Milky Way, and they do a butter sculpture for every single year. Beautiful. Is that horrifying? It's horrifying. Yeah. (laughs) So so what does F. Scott Fitzgerald have to do with Minnesota? Well, well, he is one of our hometown heroes. We love our F. Scott Fitzgerald. Granted, he could be a jerk face in his personal life. He had a troubled life, but... He wrote some of the most beautiful works of American literature, especially Mm -hmm. of the 20th century. So he was born in 1896 in St. Paul, Minnesota. That is the capital of Minnesota. There's St. Paul and then Minneapolis is right across the river. So it's called the Twin Cities. Now, he was born into an upper middle class family, but his world was pretty much upper class. So he always felt like an outsider looking in. He definitely would have been a bit emo, I think, growing up, or he would have felt, if you watch Gossip Girls, I'm just dating myself all over the place here. (laughs) If you ever watch Gossip Girl, he's sort of the um, Penn Bagley character who is not poor, but he is definitely looking into the very rich. So F. Scott Fitzgerald wasn't poor, but he wasn't very rich like most people that he knew. His dad had been a failed furniture company owner, And he never really got back up to where he wanted to be. But his entire life, uh, Scott, as he went by, is striving to become of that upper crust. And you can see that in a lot of his writings Mm -hmm. is always talking about, um, you know, rich people, the upper class as an unattainable demographic that is just almost too good to touch. Mm -hmm. So we'll see this later when we talk about Great Gatsby, but it's very Nick Carraway. For sure. And a lot of his short stories. He eventually makes it to Princeton and then World War One breaks out. He actually dropped out of Princeton. He never went back, but he'll, he was always a very proud Princeton alumnus. When he's in the army, he is sent down to Alabama where he meets a beautiful debutante named Zelda Sayre. And Zelda was pretty much the prototypical flapper. They met at a dance and she definitely toyed with him. There's even this story how she one time wrote a letter to him and another letter to one of her other beaus. And just to mess with both of them, she sent them in envelopes addressed to the other. So Scott got a letter that she'd written to another beau. And she did this just to mess with his head. She had a lot of suitors, a lot of gentlemen callers, as you would say. And um, it wasn't until he struck it rich writing his breakout novel, This Side of Paradise, when she was finally able to accept her marriage. That was the point of her life in that time period was getting the best match, especially coming from a really high up 
family. Her dad was a judge. And so the book is published on March 26th. They get married on April 3rd or something. So it is immediate. And then they take New York by storm. So they're like the celebrity couple of the moment. They're a power couple. But just like the 20s fizzled into the 1930s, that pretty much also follows the trajectory of this couple. So they do have a child, Scotty. They... Scotty uh, is a girl, by the way. Scotty is a girl. And the whole family moves over to Paris, the French Riviera. So the lost generation out in Paris. And then he becomes friends with Ernest Hemingway. Boo or yay, depending on how you feel about Boo it. We me. have some strong opinions over Very here. Very strong. <laughs> but we'll leave Hemingway for another time. And eventually, nobody wants to hear stories about the upper crust of wanting to be rich in the 1930s. We're in the middle of the Depression. And so... At this time, he's also completely diving into alcoholism. He's a really sick man, and he has to start writing for the movies. He works out in California, but it pretty much is soul-crushing him. And he dies in the year 1940 at just the age of 44 from a heart attack brought on from his alcoholism. He died thinking that he was a failure. He, Although he had said when he wrote The Great Gatsby that this is essentially the novel of the century. But I think he knew that he would be appreciated later, but it definitely sure. was not 1940 when he died. At the same time, Zelda, his beautiful flapper wife, who was creative in her own right. And in fact, she once said that I believe Scott believes that plagiarism begins at home because she said that he took a lot of stories and specific passages from her diaries and her own writings mm-hmm. and passed them off as his own. So that's highly debatable, but she was really creative in her own right. Unfortunately, she suffered from a lot of mental health issues. Schizophrenia, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they say it was schizophrenia. That also was a lot of a cover term mm-hmm. back in the day before. Catch-all. Yeah, essentially it was a catch-all term. So we're not really sure what was going on, but... Um, She really sadly spent the last decade of her life living in a sanatorium down in the South, I believe. And she died really tragically in a hospital fire. Mm -hmm. She was locked in the attic while awaiting her electroshock therapy. I mean, there have been movies made about their life alone. But today we're going to focus on some of his most brilliant works. Michaela, you want to start us off with probably the best known one if you're from America You probably had to read this in high school. You probably did. The first one we're talking about today is The Great Gatsby. It's his 1925 novel, Summarily. Here's what I have written down. Lots of rich people throw lots of rich people parties and occasionally charitably invite their non-rich friends. Gatsby tries to reclaim his lost love and the American dream. Disenchantment and booze are everywhere. That was my my three-sentence summary about about Gatsby. Very succinct. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, I've read it several times, and that is what I can boil it down to. It was his third novel, published, like I said, in 1925. He only wrote four novels over the course of his lifetime, so almost the last one. It was not very well received um, when he wrote it, but again, now it is pretty much considered the great American novel. It's probably, you've probably read it because it was probably required reading in your high school. Um, I know for sure, though, that he did take one line at least one line of that book from his wife. Um, When she gave birth to their daughter, Scotty, she was on like a lot of pain meds and was like rambling about like Mark Twain and weird stuff as she was coming out of it. And she said that she hoped their daughter was a beautiful little fool. 
which Daisy in the in the novel The Great Gatsby also says about her daughter. I should probably tell you about the characters too. I forgot about that. The Great Gatsby obviously is Jay Gatsby or Jay Gats, as we find out later. I think. Yeah, I think that's his real name. I think that's his real name. <clears throat> um, he is an up and coming nouveau riche society man. Nobody really knows how he made his fortune or where he came from, but he suddenly has a lot of money, shows up on West Egg, which is where all the new money lives. And East Egg is where all the old money lives. And that is... Um, so it's supposed to be like Long Island. Yes. yes and they Long go through Island. the Valley of the Ashes and mm-hmm. that's Queens, I think. Queens. <laughs> yeah. So he is secretly in love with Daisy, who lives on East Egg with her husband, Tom Buchanan. He knew Daisy when she was a young uh, socialite. She's a basically a flapper now, but she's married to Tom Buchanan. In the meantime, they have a daughter together. And Nick Carraway, who we'll talk about probably a lot, is a friend of Daisy's. He's a cousin of Daisy's. Yeah, he's Daisy's yeah. cousin and Gatsby's neighbor. Yes, he moves uh, to West Egg, lives next to Gatsby, and Gatsby starts inviting him to parties, basically with the intention of using him to reacquaint himself with Daisy. Does he get Daisy in the end? Um, no, he does not. Spoiler alert. What does this say? There's a there's a very, very a very high school line, essay kind of way. Very high school essay where he is uh he's looking across the bay at her dock where he there's always a green light uh that he knows is the end of her dock and he has not gotten her I guess this is Nick looking at it because I won't tell you what happens to Gatsby, but something happens to Gatsby. <laughs> um Anyway, and it, it there's a very beautiful line about being born ceaselessly into the past and that nothing really goes, you know, the way that we hoped it did. The American dream is basically unattainable. So I remember one line Nick says, but you can't repeat the past. Mm-hmm. And Gatsby just says, well, of course you can, old sport. Yes, <laughs> yes he's very stuck in the past. Um, never going to get past it. <laughs> it also just recently came into public domain. What? What? Oh, yeah. As of as of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a little bit of a fun fact to okay. add to this. So, you know, in the beginning, uh, in an epigraph, right? That's mm-hmm. the uh, maybe a beginning poem or something before a novel. An epigraph or an epigram? Wikipedia says that it's an epigraph. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, so he he puts a poem before the novel and he attributes it to Thomas Park Donvillage. <laughs> And it goes like this. Then wear the gold hat, if that will move her. If you can bounce high, bounce for her too. Till she cried, lover, gold-hatted, high-bouncing lover, I must have you. It's a great poem, right? It is. He just made it up. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Scott. Scotty. Mm. Uh, so what um, adaptations did you watch or have you seen? I think that I've only seen the 19... Nope, not even the 1974. The 2013 that Baz Luhrmann directed. It's got Leonardo DiCaprio and Carey Mulligan and Tobey Maguire. Um, I love Tobey Maguire for his cry face, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, he has a great... (laughs) He's got a great cry face. He really does. He does. And uh, that, I think, is the only one I've seen. It is splendid. Have you seen that one? Yes. Yes. Full disclosure that, you know, I'm a big Gatsby head. So I did make all of my friends in Minnesota... uh, have a evening out to go see the movie and mm. dress in Gatsby clothes. Mm. Were you dressed as a flapper? Yes, I was. I love that. Uh, you know, yeah. that's how we roll. So, yes, I, I love that one. I also, I don't know how I feel about it 
being framed as um, Nick being in a sanatorium. Sanitarium. Um, so he's basically in like oh, a mental yeah. asylum. In the beginning, the doctor's like, just right, Nick. And it's him recounting all of this as he's I being treated for maybe alcoholism it. or a mental illness. Yeah. Where in the book, of. he's just telling the story in his unreliable, uh, unreliable narrator kind of way. Sure. I completely forgot about, yeah, that framing device. Yeah. And I was thought when I watch it is that teachers, English teachers must love it because <laughs> they actually like light up the important quotes you're supposed to know. They should just be like, mm-hmm. this movie's on the test. Yeah. Everything that is like lit up and written across the screen, you have to remember. Yes. Yeah. But it is beautiful, right? Like it's a very, like costuming is done really well. Mm-hmm. It's very glitzy and glammy. I love a couple of other Baz Luhrmann ones. Um, I love Moulin Rouge and I love Romeo and Juliet. Oh, I love Romeo and Juliet. Guilty I, pleasure. Oh, of course. I think it still has good replay value. Mm-hmm. I saw it a couple of weeks ago. But do I feel like your nose at me, sir. It's I great. do. <laughs> I feel like people either love Baz Luhrmann or they, they absolutely hate him and it gives them a headache. Mm-hmm. I'm a Baz Luhrmann fan. Me too. I like some Baz Luhrmann. I'm in. So what other ap- adaptations have you seen that they made great adaptations? I haven't seen them, but I know there's a there's a 1949 with Alan Ladd and Betty Field. There's a 1974 with Robert Redford and Sam Watterson, which I really want to see now that I found out about it. I've seen it. It's not great. It's not? No. It's very boring. Oh, I love Robert Redford. And this isn't, I'm a huge lover, or, you know, classic movies. Um, not for me. Okay, guys, maybe scratch that one off your list. Never mind. I know. That could be a hot take. It could know, be. Right? I don't Let us know. know. Uh, there's also a 2000 like made for TV movie with Paul Rudd as Nick. Have you seen that? Yeah, I had to watch it in high school. <laughs> How is it? Is he good? Is he not? Uh, he's Paul Rudd. Like Paul Rudd I, is yeah, just Paul Rudd is, is Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd all the time. So he's Paul Rudd being Paul Rudd. I like no, Paul Rudd being pretending Paul Rudd. not to judge people, but he actually is because Nick actually is judging everyone. So true. Yeah. Yes. There's also, and you know a little bit more about this than I do. Talk about the Lost film. Yeah, so you find this on YouTube, type in Great Gatsby trailer 1926, and it's all that's remaining of a lost Great Gatsby film that would have come out just a year after he wrote Great Gatsby, and it looks like so much fun. It does. Yeah. Reportedly, though, he and Zelda both hated it. Yes. So we're thinking we need to do a future episode about um, movies that the authors hated of Mm -hmm. their own books. There's a couple really high-profile ones out there. Mm-hmm. That'd be an interesting. Uh, there have also been, there's been plays, there's been ballets, there's been an opera, apparently, of The Great Gatsby. None of those have come anywhere close to where we live in the last few years, so I have not seen any of them. But I would love to watch an opera of the jazz age. I think that sounds yeah. great. Wow, remember going to theaters? I, don't you? Yeah. That sounds neat. It's, it's really cool. In the before times. The culture was just it sounds fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> All those people just breathing the same air. Breathing the same air. Having a cultural experience together. Big breaths in. <laughs> yes. A couple of books also that we'll talk about. There is, oh, there's also a documentary. I keep forgetting to mention this. There is a Great Gatsby Midnight in Manhattan documentary uh, that actually follows like the writing of the Great Gatsby and like his life with Zelda at the time. In terms of adaptations, there have been two graphic novel adaptations of this book in the last year. 
There's a 2020 graphic novel by Fred Fordham and A.A. Morton with input from Blake Hazard. And Blake Hazard is F. Scott Fitzgerald's great granddaughter. I believe she actually kind of went out and like tried to find the artist and the writer that she wanted to work with. And the adaptation is pretty, uh, pretty right on. It's really beautiful. The illustrations are gorgeous. It's all very like pastel and uh like very clean lines until like the emotions start to get messy and then it's a little bit less oh cool yeah like like contained it gets kind of crazy there's a really beautiful spread uh when it goes back into the past in daisy and gatsby's life when they're young lovers walking along this lane where they're like walking and this ladder appears to the stars it's it's gorgeous it's a really pretty book that sounds very la la land (laughs) It is kind of like La La Land. It, which I liked. Yeah, which I also liked. So good. And then the 2021 graphic novel, I haven't picked up yet. It's by Kay Woodman Maynard. But we do have it. We're going to order it for the library. All of these adaptations also can be found at the Community Library Network. Except the last film, obviously. Except for the last film. But if you find it, hey. <laughs> Please bring it to us. We'd love, love to have it. it. Uh, and lastly, there is an audiobook that's kind of loosely based on it it's called careless people murder mayhem and the invention of the great gatsby i own this book and it's really great okay yeah shout out to my sister Lindsay who gave me this book for christmas it is really fantastic yeah if you're into the 1920s society and culture i would pick it up it also talks about fitzgerald's life but you know the 20s in general so it's great oh and a murder case so if you're it it ticks all of the boxes for me true crime fitzgerald the 20s (laughs) boom those are all of Roxanne's most loved things, you guys, in case you're mm-hmm. you ever need to know your Roxanne trivia. Quick. One of my three things. Uh Minnesota. Darn it. That wasn't one of them. Four things. <laughs> uh the twenties. Fitzgerald. And I know you just said it and I literally can't remember what it was. True crime. True crime. Oh, I should have known that. Okay, well now I need to know your four. Go. My four? Yeah, Michaela's four. Oh my gosh. Uh, what are you all about? What am I all about? I am all about cozy libraries with like roaring fires and blankets and secret passageways. Check me on that. All right. Okay. We're on that kind of uh, somewhat. Uh, I'm all about cheesy foods. Love Ooh. cheesy foods. Nice. And all about uh, literary fiction. Love it. I don't have a fourth thing. Cats. Cats is my fourth thing. Good. We both have black cats. <laughs> we do. They're cute, you guys. <laughs> Go adopt a black cat. Just PSA for the day. They're wonderful companions. All right. Should we talk a little bit about short stories? Yes, absolutely. So Fitzgerald's real bread and butter was the short story. He wrote a lot of short stories commercially. How many did he write, Roxanne? Oh, I don't know that. I think I read like over 160. That was a lot. Would not shock me at all. Mm -hmm. I have a collection of short stories and it is a doorstop, (laughs) essentially. But he wrote a lot of short stories, and many of them were also adapted into movies and plays and TV shows. Uh, a couple that you can check out here at the library are Tender is the Night from 1985, Bernice Bob's Her Hair. I love that story. <laughs> and Shelley Long is in it. Or Shelley Duvall. One of the Shelleys? One of the Shelleys. <laughs> Not Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall's in it. Uh, but he has at least... 15 stories that have been turned into books up or been turned into movies so one of his most favorite famous movies that might be less well known to you unless you like classic movies is the last time i saw paris and it's based on a a story called babylon revisited today though i'm going to be talking about the curious case of benjamin button 
So this came out in 1922. Uh, it was published in May, and it was right on the heels of the publication of his second novel, The Beautiful and the Damned, and it was serialized in this magazine called Collier's. So the reason I bring up Collier's mm -hmm. is because I found an introduction that Fitzgerald wrote in his book, Tales of the Jazz Age, and he's introducing each of his stories. And this is what he has to say. This is Fitzgerald's own words about a reception he got from a writer about the curious case of Benjamin Button. He writes, The story was published in Collier's last summer and provoked this startling letter from an anonymous admirer in Cincinnati. Sir, I have read the story Benjamin Button and Collier's, and I wish to say that as a short story writer, you would make a good lunatic. I have seen many pieces of cheese in my life, but all the pieces of cheese I have ever seen, you are the biggest piece. I hate to waste a piece of stationery on you, but I will. Shots fired. Mic drop. That's such a good burn. Such I a good burn. I hate to waste a piece of stationery on you, but I will. I know. Guys, if you do anything this week, brush up on your mean letter writing skills. Ooh. That's, I would love to see a scathing review like that of someone yeah. today. I a love it. Let's bring back the strongly worded letter. <laughs> Please. All right. Yeah. You just, you're just going to get one from me later in your mailbox at work. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. <laughs> this is your strongly worded letter. <laughs> Love your co-host. Very kind of you. So, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, written in 1922. It is set in 1860s Baltimore, Maryland, right before the Civil War. And the conceit of this story is that Benjamin Button is a man who ages backwards. So he is born as a fully grown seven-year-old man. They don't go in how he's, he's and just in fact, after he's born, they never mention his mother again. Nope. So it's just sort of a, I guess you could call this a magical realism. Yeah, for sure. Wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. uh, so he is born with a beard and he is a seven-year-old man and he has the ability to speak. Yep. And complains he about milk. He complains about everything. He demands to know where his father is. His dad doesn't know what to do with him. So this is a, a just a fun, humorous short story. Mm -hmm. Throughout the story, he, he grows up in Baltimore. Um, he grows down in Baltimore. Uh-huh. Uh, clap, 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 yeah, clap, yeah. clap. So he grows down in Baltimore. So eventually, when he would be 20 years old, but he looks 50, he falls in love with this debutante. She has such a fun quote. She's talking about how she prefers older men. So she's just 20. He says... You're just the romantic age, 50. 25 is too worldly wise. 30 is apt to be pale from overwork. 40 is the age of long stories that take a whole cigar to tell. 60 is, oh, 60 is too near 70. But 50 is the mellow age. I love 50. And I just love the next sentence. It says, 50 seemed to Benjamin a glorious age. He longed passionately to be 50. <laughs> now, of course, he looks 50. And he marries Hildy. And then it gets a little, a little depressing. Dark. Mm -hmm. uh, so as he is getting younger and more vivacious, Hildy's getting older. So by the time she's even 35 and they have a son, uh, he is just not attracted to her anymore. And essentially she goes to live in Europe and he turns into a man about town. He um, inherits his dad's button factory. Buttons, buttons. Mm -hmm. And yeah, eventually when he's getting 
older and older, younger and younger. He goes to live with his son, who is really embarrassed by him, begs him to call him uncle. And by the time his grandchild is born, Benjamin Button is looks like a 10-year-old, mm-hmm. and he's kind of running around the house. So the whole story doesn't really have the most dramatic plot. It's more just a what-if story. Yeah, it's pretty banal. The very ending uh, just ends with him feeling sort of warm and surrounded by fuzzy faces because he's an infant, and then he closes his eyes, mm-hmm. and that's it. So that's the Benjamin Button story. Curious case. If you read the short story. The short story, which is in the public domain. Yes, yes So I legally downloaded it and printed it out. Uh, it's a really quick read. It's fun. It is. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I read it in like half an hour over lunch. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's got like a kind of goofy, fun, like feel to it. Yeah. Which I think is interesting when you consider the movie. Yeah. Uh, so we go from snarky little asides to, you know, clever ideas about what people are like at different ages. And then you get mm-hmm. the David Fincher movie. So you take a short story and in 2008, spin it into two <laughs> hours and 46 minutes. That's how long that was? Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. That was not okay. a one-time sit down for me. I had to break <laughs> this up. How do you eat an elephant or watch a David Fincher movie? Yeah. One bite at a time. (laughs) (laughs) One dark sequence of long shots at a time. Oh my gosh, yeah. So this came out in 2008. Biggest differences, it's set in the South. So he's born in New Orleans, Mm -hmm. not in 1860, but on the day that World War I ends. Yeah, 1918, I think. In the book... He lives with his family. Presumably his mother is off somewhere (laughs) after she's fulfilled her destiny. Yeah. I mean, birth to Benjamin. But in the movie, his dad abandons him Mm -hmm. on the steps of an old folks home. And he is raised by um, a couple who are played by Mahershala Ali and Taraji P. Henson. And they raise him as their own, along with all of the, the old folks at the retirement home. And he fits in very well. Yes. So mm-hmm. he, in the movie, he isn't born as a full-grown man. He's right. born as a baby with really bad CGI. With really, really 2008 bad CGI yep. face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> so we do see him then turn into a little old man. Yeah, he's like he's like, a tiny. He's like in he's, a wheelchair. He's real. But he has shriveled. But he has childlike mm-hmm. mannerisms. Yes. Whereas in the the story, he comes he's out a speaking character. like a, a cranky, yeah, what, he's septuagenarian. Like his, yeah, septuagenarian. He's yeah. friends with his grandfather. They're like best pals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's some of the biggest stark differences. And instead of just sort of a, wouldn't this be a funny idea? Really, is a long moving movie with a beautiful love story in it. Beautiful. I. I fully expected to not like this movie because of how bad the CGI and some of like. Brad Pitt's accent and stuff <laughs> at the beginning. Like, what? What is that like, accent? What is happening? Um, and by the end of it, I was bawling. Just puddle, puddle of tears. Now, I am emotionally stunted, apparently, because I only cry during animal movies like Homeward Bound and Milo Otis. That makes sense. I hate those movies. <laughs> but if I were to not be a robot, I would cry mm. at the end of it. Yeah, I'm not a robot. I'm a big softie. And I... <laughs> I'm bald. <laughs> but I mean, okay, Milo notes that kitty is floating down the river. Oh. The kitty is floating down the river in the box yes. and meowing. Okay, yeah, I'll also 
That's my worst nightmare. Yeah. That's my clockwork orange, like, hold my eyelids open, and I have oh, to watch that, no. and that's a nightmare. Okay. Good to know so we can avoid that in the future. <laughs> so this movie is really beautiful. It's super dark and full of shadows, and, and everyone is in it. So if you watch Mad Men or you might have seen other things, Jared Harris, are you familiar with him? Yeah. He plays the ship captain. Yeah. He plays like a Cockney ship captain. I was so surprised. Oh, Irish ship captain. Irish ship captain. Who, who's an artist. He's not a ship captain. And he tattoos himself. <laughs> and he is just uh, acting to the gills. It's fantastic. And then you have Tilda Swinton playing a love interest. And she's being very Tilda Swinton yes. in her beautiful 1940s clothes. Very beautiful. Kate Blanchett, we haven't mentioned oh, her Oh, of yet. course, Kate Blanchett plays his, the love of his life, Daisy. Another also, Daisy. Oh, another Daisy. Interesting. I wonder how many of the things in the movie he took from other parts of Fitzgerald. Because it's blown, like, I mean, it's like a, you know, half-hour story. Oh, right, because, of course, like, it's, it's not Hildegard. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's not, yeah, he's not dating Hildy in this mm-hmm. one. And I would say another one of the biggest differences is that he doesn't fall out of love with with his love interest in this one. No. It's very much a love story. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some very of the most painful love stories. Yeah, and some of the most beautiful parts of the love story are, of the movie are the love story. So about two-thirds through the movie, we finally get to see Brad Pitt uh, look like Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. And I do love a line because Kate Blanchett is in the hospital. She got hit by a car. She opens her eyes and she says... You're perfect. And I thought, well, <laughs> of course, lady, you're looking at Brad Pitt. Yeah. Brad Pitt is pre- like 2000, what, 12 Brad Pitt? 2008 Brad Pitt. Yeah. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Go Brad Pitt. Go Brad. Good for him. Although he still looks like that now. Yeah, he looks great. <laughs> As does Kate Blanchett. Uh, absolutely. I mean, As I does Tilda Swinton. I, I know. I made a note here that uh, it's so fun watching this part of the story because you're basically just getting to watch beautiful people be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so yeah, that part of the movie, he he falls in love with Daisy for a short, sweet amount of time. They're basically the same age, and then as he realizes that eventually she'll have to take care of him mm-hmm. as a child, he leaves her. Old man, yeah, yeah, old man, old a man, child, a literal man, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so as she really she's going to have to do that, then um, he leaves her and their daughter, and eventually she does reunite with him, and as he doesn't remember her anymore. Ugh. She is an old lady and she takes care of him until he passes away in her arms at the very end. So as a as a small as an infant. Baby. Yeah. And that is where I bawled my eyeballs out. I could see it. Mm-hmm. If I had been, you know, computed to do that, I would. <laughs> <laughs> if my matrix is allowed. Yeah. <laughs> but there was no kitten going down the river so I couldn't cry. Oh gosh. I love this movie. I Liked it more than when I saw it in 2008. Me too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It, it has a lot to say about getting old and uh, having important relationships in your life. So it's kind of funny to me that they took this really tragic, beautiful love story from a, a really kind of irreverent short story. Yeah, absolutely. As, as I'm thinking about it, I think this would make a really good limited series. Oh, I think it'd be beautiful as a limited series because this came out right before the golden age of tv mm-hmm. i think maybe the same year that sopranos came out maybe a little bit after mm-hmm. but today i feel like netflix could blow this up yeah and the cgi would be good 
Yeah. It would get really great. Not that the movie doesn't CGI have is actors. extremely upsetting in the beginning. It's very upsetting. <laughs> very upsetting. Just listen to that part of the movie. Don't watch it. <laughs> but like, then Alan Well, his southern accent is also, it's also very upsetting. <laughs> I'm from New Orleans. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah, that's true. Is, sorry, isn't he also in the vampire one? Interviewed with a vampire? Am I thinking of the wrong person? That's... I, I swear yeah. he's in that one too. For a second, I thought it was Tom. It is Tom Cruise, but I think it's oh, Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise and Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt. And he's also from New Orleans in that one. Yes. Hmm. Yes. You'd think he would get. I feel like New Orleans is often cast as like a, a magical city. For sure. Have Full of vampires there? and man babies <laughs> roaming the streets. True. I can confirm that none of that is true. But it is a really nice place to visit. It's nice to hope. Yeah. So that was the. Curious case of Benjamin Button. Extremely different than the story. Uh, do you have any final parting thoughts? On F. Scott Fitzgerald? Yeah, in general. Uh, no, just that, I, I mean, he's a classic for a reason. He's definitely good at what he did. He very much brings out the spirit of the jazz age and like a, an American ideal at a time when America felt like it had ideals. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. That man could turn a phrase. There you go. Yeah. Controversial. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. My name is Roxanne. I'm Michaela. And we work for the Community Library Network. And we want to invite you to come into the library and check out some of the books and movies that we talked about today. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Bye.